This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts Podcast with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. everyone. New episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday, and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today, before he was an actor, he was a bull rider. Welcome award-winning actor John Benjamin Hickey. A-OK. A-OK. I am here today with John Benjamin Hickey. His resume is so impressive, I would truly need another podcast just to go through it all. But I'm going to give you guys some greatest hits of John <laughs> Benjamin Hickey. Yes. So some of his theater credits include Love, Valor, and Compassion, Cabaret, The Crucible, Mary Stewart, and The Normal Heart, for which he won the coveted What's that award called again? Tony. That's right, the Tony Award. He has done so many films, but some of the standouts to me are Flags of Our Fathers, The Ice Storm, Transformers. Revenge of the Fallen. Truth. Truth. And I would say one of my all-time favorites, (laughs) Pitch Perfect. Uh, I'm so happy to be in Pitch Perfect, but I'm not in number two or number three. Well, I thought it was about that girl's dad, old too. man dad. I know. That's how they hooked you the first yeah. time. right? They're like, listen, this story is really about a dad and daughter relationship <laughs> as she starts in college and really goes through um, the next 40 years of her life. Yeah, exactly. And it's a lot like on Golden Pond. Totally. It was when I was in it. That's for sure. <laughs> On television, he starred on the sitcom as part of a gay couple in a show called It's All Relative. Then he went on to The Big C with Laura Linney. And then he recently completed this incredible series called Manhattan, which I believe you were 
Emmy nominated for? No, I was Emmy nominated for The Big C. Oh. Uh, but I wish I'd been Emmy nominated for Manhattan because maybe it'll still be on. It was mm-hmm. a show on the WGN, uh, which is a superstation out of Chicago, and it was a uh, incredibly a brilliant kind of s- historical science fiction piece about the men and women who created the first atomic bomb in Los Alamos in world, during World War II. Is WGN, is that a lot like WKRP in Cincinnati? Uh, yeah, it appears it's, uh, as far as how they handle great shows that they let f- f- fall away. Yeah, absolutely. It was an awesome show and an awesome job. And also, like, when I think theoretical nuclear physicist, I think, <laughs> think John Benjamin Hickey. You better believe it. I, mean, I could hardly even, I had to actually ask them to stop saying, having my character say theoretical nuclear physics because I had trouble pronouncing it. Sometimes I would even go nuclear, like uh, George W. Yeah, Texans, Texans like to say nuclear like George W. did. Um, well, yeah, no, I mean, that was a big stretch for me to play a physicist. But what wasn't a big stretch was for you to play the complex personality that that physicist inhabited yeah. because he was so um, driven, mm. maniacal, mm. passionate. And a, a compartmentalizer. I understood that. He was a guy who knew how to keep things uh, in his head and in his heart in certain compartments. And, I, you know, I think you know this. Whenever you're playing somebody who's a lot smarter than you That's are. That's never happened to me. <laughs> never. I'm sorry. Lucy, I think Lucy was smarter than you are. Lucy's Lucy, the smartest cartoon character on the planet. Lucy Van Pelt yeah. uh, definitely was smarter than me. Yeah, but other yeah, than Lucy's that. Lucy's smarter than everybody. Okay. Uh, but you, 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 you know, if, if where, you, where you're lacking in one department, you concentrate then on another. If your left leg is lame, you favor your right leg. And, you know, you concentrate on what he wants in his heart more than in his head. Every time I act, I get to go back to school. Yeah. And when you're doing something set in World War II, you get to go, you, it's like going back into history class right. as well. Yeah, it's right. amazing. Speaking of history, mm. I want to talk a little bit about your history because yeah. I'm fascinated about how where we come from leads us to where we are now. I did recently go to Texas for the first time. I went to Dallas. I visited the Book Depository Museum, which was an astonishing museum. But I kept asking any cab driver, anyone I met, like, where's Plano? How far am I from Plano? Do you know John Benjamin Hickey? He's from Plano. (laughs) And inevitably, someone's like, yes, we're very proud of him. I just want to go back a little bit. You have two brothers. Uh, One brother. Who pursued rodeo. Right. Yeah, he was a professional, a world champion, professional rodeo cowboy. Uh, And you were in Pippin. Yeah. Nobody was uh, practicing that craft um, uh, in my family. But I think it probably, the seeds got planted because my father, who's been gone for many years now, was a huge lover of movies. And we had a lot of those, you know, whenever those Time Life movie collection books would come out, the films of Laurel and Hardy, the films of Betty Davis, the films, I paid a lot of attention to the Betty Davis book. (laughs) My dad had those, he had an Academy Awards book that stopped in the year 1971. So Every year, my mother would bake a cake for the Oscars, and I would fill in the winners in a pencil. And I remember the year that The uh, Godfather Part Two won over the Towering Inferno. I was so enraged that The Godfather Part Two did not won the Oscar over Towering Inferno that I just wrote the Towering Inferno in as the winner. And you could see that. If you went to my house and opened that book, you would see that piece of misinformation. My dad took us to the movies all the time. I remember my dad, who never really knew what to do with us. Well, he just wasn't, he was a little bit of a, my dad was kind of a playboy and wasn't home that much. And he was working a lot. And he what was, did he do? He was a banker for many years. And then 
as some kind of, I think, maybe strange savings and loan scandal hmm. happened uh, right. before the bigger saving loan scandal happened. He got caught up in that. He never, nothing, he never got in trouble, but something happened. And then his health started to deteriorate and he was sick for many, many years. And so he didn't really work. So he sat home and watched movies and he went to the movies. And I remember he was the first person who took me to a movie where there were two movies playing in the same theater. And that wasn't, you, that, you didn't have those as kids. They, there weren't two plexes. Right. The multiplex, came, the multiplex was, was not it was a was not a thing. My dad would take us to one movie and then sneak us into the other movie. So we'd see two movies for the price of one and that's that's illegal. It's illegal, yeah. I, but it I'm didn't just, stop him. So I, I was I think that's probably one of the reasons I kind of had this love of show business. My brother was a rodeo cowboy. My family was very kind of western loving people. We had horses. I grew up on a little farm. Did you wear for, cowboy hats? For oh my goodness. Yes, I wore Wranglers and cowboy hats, and yeah, totally. I was a, I was a goat roper, is what you called them, or a shit kicker. Are and, those the two things the same? Uh, yeah, a goat roper and a shit kicker is like you know there were the freaks that were those were the people who smoked pot and had okay. long hair. Is this high school like yeah, sort of yeah, the different yeah. groups? The okay. jocks, the preppies, the uh, the goat ropers. I don't know why they called them goat ropers, but that was just a slang for people who liked the rodeo and were in the rodeo club and wore. Wranglers and cowboy boots and cowboy hats. And then I started playing in every single field. I was friends with the jocks. I was friends with the freaks. And a therapist said to me many, many years later when I asked her, why was I insistent on being so popular and being so uh, spreading myself so thin? And she said, well, I think your MO was they can't hit a moving target. If the, if I stop long enough, they're going to figure out what I am. Uh-huh. Uh, and that might have had to do with being gay. I can look back and, and were you, see it very clearly. Were you clearly. aware that you were gay in high school? Um, yeah. Did you have girlfriends? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I had girlfriends all through college and, and I loved them and we had great relationships. But so so the answer to that question is very, it's very hard to answer. A yes and no. Yes, I knew, but no, I didn't know. And looking back with with the, you know, 2020 hindsight, I think one of the reasons I came to New York City was to figure out who I was. I mean, I think I was pushed by my unconscious as much as my conscious. So did you start doing plays? Did I start sleeping with boys as soon as I got to New York? No, <laughs> so I didn't. Did it happen on the airplane? Lots of, lots of when... girls. I made out with a few I met in college, too. Did you? Yeah. Did we'll, you? Want to talk about I'm... that later? <laughs> <laughs> These are little known facts that <laughs> yeah, now, exactly, you know. Yeah. Speaking of women, I'm just going to go down a list of women that have been your co-stars okay. because this is, and not to be sexist in any way, because yeah. the men that you've worked with are equally impressive Pretty hot guys, incredible. too, yeah. All of them. Hot guys, but, hot um, girls. But I'm because I'm a girl and slightly threatened, I'm going to go through this list. And we're going to play a little game. Oh, yeah. Cool. I love it. I know you do. This is first thing that comes to my mind. I'm going to say a name and yeah. you just say what comes to cool. mind. Ashley Judd. Intense. Sarah Jessica Park. Style. Beauty. Laura Linney. Class. Talent. C- Cynthia Nixon. Absolute clarity. Anna Kendrick. Determined. Brilliant. Kate Blanchett. Oh, fucking hot. Can I say that word? Uh, hot? You can totally say hot. And so great, so talented. And so I played her husband. What a privilege that was. I went straight, man. I was like, I'm done. I'm done. That was it. You circled back right then. Exactly. Juliana Margulies. Best number one on the call sheet 
ever, ever. Such such a talent and such a pro. That's the reason that show, I'm sorry right. to go on with more than no. one word. That's no. the reason that, I mean, it was the Kings and Juliana's always said it. If it wasn't on the page, it was never on the stage. Those people wrote a great show. She's the reason why that ship sailed so beautifully for so many years. Hillary Swank. Wow, I forgot. I was like, I've never worked with Hillary Swank. You um, worked yeah. with her and I believe uh, you slept with her. Yes, it's exactly a singular talent, like a very specific, you know, it's like those role, the role, the perfect role for her doesn't come along. Right. Uh, but every few years. But when it does, there's nobody who can do it like she can do it. I it's love that. I love being that specific. Yeah. Yeah, she's um, extraordinary. Ellen Barkin. A pistol. Natasha Richardson. Uh, the world. When you were a young man who came to New York, I'm sure at some point you dreamed of not just coming here and working, but kind of getting to the place where you're standing on the Tony stage. I'm sure you watched the Tonys. Oh, God, yes, Um, religiously. Can you talk a little bit about the moment where life and fantasy explode and you are winning a Tony (laughs) Award? It's a very cloudy memory, as I guess it is for most people that that happens to, because it's so surreal. I was, you know, having the time of my life doing this play, Mm -hmm. The Normal Heart, which is Larry Kramer's masterwork about the beginning of the AIDS crisis in New York. And it's an incredibly political piece of agitprop theater that any actor in the world who gets their hands on those parts just has the time of their lives, because it's so easy to feel very passionately about this material. Anyway, so I was having the time of my life. I was also shooting the third season of The Big C. So I was doing a lot of commuting back and forth and I would finish work in Stanford, Connecticut at six o'clock and have to zoom in to make a 7.30 half hour. And it was very, very stressful, but very exciting. Then this thing happens and, you know, you're still doing the play. It's weird when you're in a play and, you know, I've been in several Broadway plays. All the other Broadway plays I'd been in had been very, very successful. And a lot of other people got nominated and won things and I didn't. And so it creates a weird dynamic at work because there's this there's this contest happening right. outside this community, this family, this mm-hmm. ensemble. I loved going along for the ride. I didn't really have time to pay attention to you know, what was being handicapped. But a couple of people, my pal Joe Mantello, who I was in the play with, said, you know, I think this might be your year. I wow. could be wrong. I, you know, um, and our John Slattery called me and was like, you know, he's like, all these years I'm getting nominated for Mad Men and not winning. And he's like, here you sneak up and I think you're going to win the t-. Yeah. Very funny, and and then you get there, and you so you really want to, and even if you're the longest shot, you really really want to win. Of course, you want to win. Wearing the tux, you might as well get to show it to everybody. And then Al Pacino sitting in front of you, and there's Vanessa Redgrave, and there's James Earl Jones, and you're like, I don't want to go up there. I don't, I don't, I don't want to go up there. Any, please call anybody's name. Why? Because all those grownups are in the yeah, and and... you just think you're going to sound like an idiot. It was just a really overwhelming feeling, and then they called my name. And it was my old friend, Viola Davis, who I'd done a play with and had known for many years and hadn't seen in many years. So that was a great way to see her again. Yeah. To be honest with you, my only regret is I was so nervous that I asked Vi to hold the uh, Tony while I made my acceptance speech because I had my speech written down and my hands were shaking. Um. And that, so when I saw a picture of myself afterwards, I'm not holding an award. It looks like I'm presenting. So here is a here is a really, really good 
note to anybody who's going to win one of those Tony awards. Winners. Just just fucking, you know, get Dude, your Dude, hold your Tony. Come. Conversely, when you were nominated for an Emmy for The Big C. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny and story. then and then you you went and so what's it and like And then I to lose. You... <laughs> well, it was a horrible feeling because first of all, the the fact that I was nominated for an Emmy was a wonderful shock and it was just that weird thing that that <laughs> makes the Emmy seem so deeply corrupt where my show went from being a comedy series to a four-hour-long wrap-up miniseries. Right. The competition I was with when I was in a comedy series were all those guys on The Office and Parks and Rec and right. these brilliant guys. And and so I snuck into a category and was just beside myself with happiness because our show was ratings challenge and Laura was getting most of the attention as she should have. It was mm-hmm. her show and she was so magnificent on it. We get there and I know I'm never in a million years going to win. But then, and I'm with my partner, Jeff, who writes Modern Family. So I've been going to the Emmys for the past few years, yeah. begrudgingly. But then, of course, when I was nominated, I was like, you know what? I think I, yeah, it's just you know going to be what? fun this year. I think these shows are underrated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they make the first winner and it's that wonderful actress who played Nurse Jackie's Merritt Weaver yeah. for Nurse Jackie, right. which was a surprise yes. that nobody and the greatest speech in the greatest history of speeches. History, history speeches. The speech, Thank you. Other yeah. than, you know, Marlon Brando yes, having the last Native Sasqu- American. Sasqueen Little Feather. Little feather. Uh, Sacheen Little Feather. And then Laura won right. for our show, which was, again, not supposed to happen at all. No, because that and was my year. Everyone was like, Alana's going to yeah, win. Yeah, Alana's going to win it. Crazy. Yeah. And uh, I didn't win. So, so you did not go to the bathroom and sob. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I only sobbed at how pathetic I was that I let myself kind of build up some momentum <laughs> like, of like. You quickly texted yeah. your mom like, you know what? Turn it on. Yeah, I think you should be watching this because I think. Uh, I'm going to thank you, mama. It, it's a year of unexpected winners, <laughs> except for God. one. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. You know what, though? It's an absolute thrill just to be nominated. Isn't it, though? Yeah. <laughs> it's an honor. I like to fucking win. Do you still audition? Oh, my God. I put myself on tape for a Hugh Jackman Wolverine movie the other day, and they won't give you the script anymore. Now, everything is so top secret. It's like they're send you, sending you nuclear codes. Right. You know? Which um, you, well, you know about nuclear Yes, I do. Codes. I do. Right. Nuclear. And then I, I, so you have to sign your life away, and oh, my God, I, it was just terrible. But, now, uh, what, what, what do you think about the new Wolverine movie that would need to kind of be protected? I, uh, well, there you go. To, Since I've not, I mean, in no disrespect, I think they're probably great movies. I, yeah. I've just never seen them. So, 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 not only did I not have a script by which to just or any knowledge, no of guidelines, these camp, no guidelines. So I would that was a real wash. Do you I remember shouldn't. a little bit of what you did? Oh, it that? was like uh, the proton planet will. You know, I don't know. I it was just you bullshit. know what. I don't mean to recreate Emmy night. I think you might get that. Yeah, I think I might get it. Well, it's been three or four months, and I think they're halfway through filming. I think you so, may get to yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, watch it. <laughs> you always have to jump through some kind of hoop. Still, I mean, that was. Do you remember anything from early on, like something haunts you? You and I lived in an apartment that Marissa Tomei had the lease on. Marissa uh, sublet you, and you and I lived together. And um, I came home with a pilot audition for a sitcom. Um, and it was a really campy character back when gay characters were just, oh boy, were they tough to have to read for. And it was a sitcom that was starring, of all people, Terry Gar, the great Terry Gar, mm. and Marion Seldes. 
it was Marion was doing it, which I remember because it that was such a God. Right. Marion's doing right. television. Marion is the, the high priestess of, of yes. the theater, the great great Marion. Yes, and um, and my character has like it gets some kind of acid thrown on his face, sure. or and and well, he it, was gay. He was super super gay. So of course, whenever anything bad would happen to his face, he had to he screamed the lines, "My face, my face," and held his hands to his face, and I practiced it with you, and you. Could could not have been more patient. Oh God, you were just like you got to come up with something better. <laughs> no, now. no, no, that's not true. Because the thing about you, and I really, I really want to understand this, is that not everyone can so elegantly and effortlessly do comedy or drama the way that you do. In a way, you are a true bona fide no. character actor. Uh, in yeah, that you I can, think of myself. Although you're a ridiculously handsome oh, character God, actor. I love you. Are character actors, does that mean you're not I handsome? I think it means you're ugly. Yeah, character mm. actor means you're ugly. Mm. But it means you're going to work for a long time. Right. Well, oh. then you're not a character actor. No. What, what's I am a such really a character actor. And I'm kidding, of course. I think Gene Hackman is the quintessential because he was such an improbable leading man. He right. wasn't a particularly good-looking man, although his talent right. made I him think so of him attractive. Really good yeah, looking. Yeah. Speaking of co-stars, mm. your kind of life co-star mm -hmm. is Andy Cohen. Yeah. And Andy Cohen, I, I, it would be ridiculous for me to tell people who Andy Cohen is because it would almost be like saying, do you know who Barack Obama is? <laughs> like, he's so... I'm it's crazy just, what's happened, hasn't it? Can you yeah. can you speak to it? Can you explain yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, he was one of the only, you know, I, I there was no fear of Andy eclipsing any kind of fame I might have had. I don't really right. have any, you know. I have my yeah. share of famous friends, but yeah. you know, I had this one friend who was basically a news producer. So it's like, okay, well, he's at least Great. not going to be a star, so he's I don't have to deal with his huge ego right. r running amok. Right, and then. Uh, our dear, dearly departed uh, friend Natasha Richardson once said, "The rise and rise of Andrew Cohen." And, and she I was like, "What was... do you mean?" It's like she—he's not stopping until it's total global domination. Not because Andy is rapidly ambitious. I've actually never thought of Andy as ambitious. He's like a deadhead, Andy. He's a real—you uh, know—he's like the best unemployed actor friend to hang out with, even though he's not an actor, because he always seems to be available and ready to chill, and he's just the best. And for him to have found his life calling and to have it sync up with this wonderful popularity. And he has such an extraordinary take on the world of those housewives. He loves them. He has a great sense of humor about them. He's big fans of those ladies. You also have a show for Andy Radio. At Radio on, Andy. Radio on Andy XM. on Sirius XM called My Favorite Song. Hmm. If you don't have Sirius Radio, get it. I would call you a renaissance yeah. man. Um, but the one thing that you've always loved deeply is music, I love all music, kinds of yeah. music. I mean, we always sing show tunes together, yeah. but we could sing everything from Zeppelin to the Beatles yeah. to, you know, Ariana Grande Absolutely. with pride. Yeah. On his show, John has all of his friends come on and talk about their different favorite songs, their right. favorite happy song, sad song. Yeah. Right? Songs they like, what was your high school right. prom song? Right. What was your mom and dad's favorite song? It's yeah. a brilliant starting off point for conversation. And yeah. It's a really um, 
fun thing. I mean, you know, I never ever in a million years thought I would be doing a radio show. I was with my old pal, Andy Cohen on the beach. He was like, do you want to do a radio show? And I was mm. like, well, of course I do. Who doesn't want it? And we came up with this idea because I love music so much. I'm not an authority. I'm just an enthusiast. And um, it's been so much fun because I've, I've had a lot of my friends on, but I've also had a lot of people. I, I had Rob Reiner on mm. the other day and he picked his, uh, his one of his favorite soul, R&B songs was Natural Woman, Aretha's version of it. He was in the recording studio the day she recorded it amazing and you know that's so random it's so crazy and yeah. I, was, I was like wait a minute you were there he was wow. like i was there the thing about popular music especially is that uh, i heard somebody say this the other day when they were talking about prince's music and that music has a way of tapping you on the shoulder and you turn around and it reminds you of who you are mm. or who you were before we go, mm. is there a little-known fact about you that you can share with me? Gosh. When I was in the eighth grade, my drama teacher took me to uh, see Steve Martin at the State Fair Music Hall in Dallas, Texas. And he did his show. And I'd seen him on Saturday Night Live. And that's why I was totally in love with King Tut and Wild and yeah. Crazy Guys. And it was my idea. It was my first idea of what ironic humor was, mm. what... Uh, and, and Saturday Night Live made me think of what, like, New York City was. It, and we're of an age, not that you're my age. Oh, my age, God, so much again. Just... Whereas that show, Saturday Night Live, changed our lives. Of we course. were, like, 14, 15 when yeah, it came yeah, out, yeah, yeah. and it just made us change what we did on Saturday nights. Yes. Um, anyway, and then and, and Steve Martin did this thing, which he writes about in his book. He After the show, you walked outside, and he was standing outside doing more comedy. And he made a balloon for me, and I took it. So I guess my little-known fact is I've been in love with Steve Martin mm. since I was in the eighth grade. And yeah. I want the world to know it now, and I want him to please return my call. Fair I enough. know he's married with a kid now, but— Doesn't matter. I don't know. He That's can... a terrible little-known fact, but I— uh, It's a great story. I think it's a good story. I think people will feel privileged <laughs> to have had you share that. I feel really privileged to have Thank had you. you come on today. I am so happy to have been here. It's great fun. And God, it just flies by. Can I be weekly? Can I be like your— your, your Be Ed, my co-host. Ed, Ed McMahon? Absolutely. Okay, baby. Absolutely. I'll see you, I'll see you next week. I'm Alana Levine. Thank you for listening. Please don't forget to rate and review our show in the iTunes show page. Little Known Facts is recorded at the Hangar Studios in New York City. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.